Well, welcome to another uh, edition of Intentional Conversations. Uh, Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries, helping men to grow spiritually and leaders and pastors to reach the men in their churches today, uh, discussing uh, today's culture and the issues men face day to day. Uh, the program where a men's leader or a man's leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I am Mike Salmon of Cake for Your Men. It's good to have you with us as you listen in uh, uh, to this broadcast. Those of us who have been in men's ministry for any length that knows the scripture that states, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That comes from Proverbs 27, 17, and a lot of men's ministry organizations uses that. But there's another scripture I consider important in understanding how one man helps another, and that comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, in which states two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toll. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Well, today, uh, this program, I think uh, we're going to be discussing the importance of men having other men in their lives and why do I need to have men in my life? And so if you are uh, you know, listening to us uh, live, feel free to submit questions or, or comments, and we will be happy to address as many as we can. So let me welcome to the broadcast studio with me, my good friend, Rich Goricki from with uh, the organization, uh, Good Buddies, uh, to the program. So Rich, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you all today. Good. Before we really get started in our discussion, our conversation today, let me uh, let me share our audience a little bit about you, uh, who you are, where you come from. And uh, now Rick is a self-professed uh, regular kind of guy that writing his first ever book uh, based on his personal experiences with authentic friendships that uh, will be out in the near future. And so I look forward to that book. But Rich lives in the western suburbs of Chicago and is married to his high school sweetheart, Cindy. Uh, together, they have raised uh, three uh, adult boys and two young men and have a dog and attend uh, the local Presbyterian church there. He is a volunteer leader of his church's men's uh, group. He's a former assistant sub uh, excuse me, scout master with the local Boy Scout troop, a previous youth t-ball and uh, soccer coach, and an occasional mentor with the Rayside Cross Ministries, an organization that helps men in transition and an active member of the Dads of Great Students programs, dogs, I believe they call it, mm -hmm. at the nearby elementary school. In his uh, free time, he enjoys golf, biking, running, and watching just about any kind of sport activity, especially his beloved White Sox, Bears, and Bulls. We won't hold that against him. Okay. He's a graduate of Lewis University at Romeo of Illinois, and works in printing and publishing industry while planning for the next chapter uh, of his life here on earth. Good grief, guys. Sounds like you've got a lot of things going on. Well, one thing, yeah, that's, I'm, uh, I like to stay busy. So a lot, lot of things going on, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's really is great to have you with us. And I appreciate, like I said, taking, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us, to share uh, your heart and your ministry and, and uh, this, this ministry that you call God Buddies. I really think it's, it's an interesting concept. But before we dive into that, I want you to share a couple of things with us. Number one is uh, what is your favorite verse or what is your life verse, so to speak? And why is that verse so meaningful to you? Well, it's interesting that you opened with the discussion about Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen because that is the my my life verse 
you know, and it's actually become the foundation for everything that I talk about when it comes to God buddies. And, um, you know, to really understand how that helps make men better, it's good to kind of understand. I always tend to steer the conversation to understand a little bit about what I, what's called metallurgy, which is the science and engineering of the chemical behavior of metallic elements. And um, so if I can give you just a little bit of historical context around that, it'll help under, help you understand why uh, it's such a foundational uh, verse for me. So back in the biblical times, the primary metal in the Middle East was bronze because the ancient technologies didn't have the uh, advancement enough to generate the temperature high enough for melting and working with harder metals like the iron ore that was more prevalent at that time. And those of you who work with metal know that bronzes compile or composed of copper and tin. So it's relatively soft and doesn't hold an edge very well. Well, as the bronze age was ending, there was a dramatic upheaval in the world at that time, whether it's invasions and wars and collapses of whole cultures. And the Israelites at the time had migrated to Canaan and the chaos had disrupted all of the trade routes leading into that region. So there was a real scarcity of bronze. Um, there was plenty of iron ore around at the time, but the Philistines had monopolized the area and the technology. So, you know, they dominated Israel for many years at that time. But over the next few decades, the Israelites developed the skill of iron making and began to make these iron weapons about the time of King David. So by the time of David's son Solomon's writing, you know, of the book of Proverbs, which this verse comes from, uh, the making and the sharpening of iron swords was a lot more commonplace. Where it really gets interesting is when you understand how this metal was made and the swords were made, it's all about the um, chemical reaction of, or what's called smelting of how they take the iron ore and turn it into um, the, the metal that was used to make swords. So uh, the, the process of smelting um, actually eliminates the impurities or the weaker, less valuable parts of the ore that was mined. And that's what they used to create what's called the bloom or the mass of iron that they would um, turn into the swords. So this bloom that was hammered when it was still hot becomes a sword and there's a process behind that and that process of shaping parallels what we as men can do when we um, you know spend more time together so this white hot mess of iron bloom gets hammered and pounded on till it breaks off the weaker impurities and then it gets honed with a more pure piece of iron and it becomes a pure a pure piece of metal itself so in other words, the transformation of this rusty, crusty old rock has its impurities removed. And then there's a lot of heat and some hammering that makes it into the, the sword that it becomes. Um, the last step of all of this is that when the, the bloom needs to have an edge raised to make it sharp, it, it's still dull. So it gets hammered and hammered and, and sharpened until it you know, becomes a, a weapon. So we've all heard the saying that a man has lost his edge and you know therein lies the parallel to where god buddy friendships as i call them uh, come from this passage because there's an incredible sharpening and refining that occurs when men spend time together refining each other the hammering and the heat of our difficult conversations um, between friends who have come to trust each other helps them eliminate the pure impurities in our souls 
and then help us make become better, more refined men. So that's why that's all become a you know a, a really my life verse and the foundation for what God Buddies has become. Well, that's interesting. You know, it's just uh, iron sharpens iron is one man sharpens over that verse in Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. I mean, you hear it all the time. Uh, especially when you begin to talk to churches and men's leaders and, and ask them what is their what is their mission what did, what did they what did they base their ministry off of that just about every one of them will use that verse uh, but uh, at the same time I think uh, uh, and I appreciate you sharing that I, I think uh, the other one of Ecclesiastes four nine and ten where it talks about two men working together that's so important in our lives and I think we forget that in so many ways but before we get deep into that uh, discussion of God buddies. Let me ask you this. Could you share, uh, kind of quickly share your testimony, how you came to Christ and, and what drove you into the ministry you're in now? Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to do that. So as you alluded to in the introduction, I'm from the southwest side of Chicago, so hence my White Sox and Bears affiliation. But uh, like many of the immigrant families of the time, we settled into neighborhoods here where it was primarily Polish Catholic or Southside Irish and Italian Catholic, so we grew up going to a Catholic church. Um, my family moved out to the suburbs when I was about two. We went to a local Catholic church, and I attended CCD classes, as they're called, and was <clears throat> was confirmed and actually began taking classes to be an altar boy. Uh, but like many people, I became the quote-unquote priester, you know, a Christmas and Easter attending person until I met my wife. Uh, who was a Presbyterian. We were married in her church, and as I like to tell her, those were two of the best decisions I ever made in my life, to uh, become a Presbyterian and to marry her. So that's the beginnings of it, but my faith journey really changed several years later after we had kids. And um, I had started a career working for um, the leader in the industry I was working in. We had family, uh, growing family of three young kids. I ended up having, we ended up having twins. And I was beginning to feel the pressure of a new career in sales and that responsibility that comes with the growing family. And honestly, I was struggling with balancing that role, had a work-life imbalance and uh, was given more responsibility along the way, was asked to manage the largest account in a region. And I was working on Saturdays and sometimes on Sundays to meet conference calls and presentations to management and all that. But with three young kids and a wife who was working at full time, the pressure was really on me. And needless to say, we're, you know, extremely busy family. Um, but, you know, I was mentally exhausted after work and I brought that stress home and, by the end of the day, I just couldn't shut my mind down and it led to a lack of sleep and excessive stress and sleep deprivation made me irritable to my wife and grouchy and unable to concentrate and I was overeating and I drank too much and the pace and the stress of life was just not where I wanted to be at that point. So I went and saw my doctor who was concerned about how this was affecting my health and he started talking about possibility of depression and and all that and I just wasn't I wasn't feeling it you know and uh, he fortunately he prescribed some short-term medications that got my sleep pattern patterns back in order and you know that helped some of the symptoms but it didn't fix the root cause of all of this which was my wrong priorities you know I put too much pressure on you know my work life and not enough on my family life 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fortunately, my wife pushed me to get involved in the church's ministry because she said, you know, you need to get something else on your mind. And I look back on it and think that she must have known that there were some other guys in the group that, you know, maybe struggled with this themselves and maybe a little bit of Bible study would change my thought patterns. And um, deep down, you know, she just knew that was what I should have been doing. And, you know, we all have those same kind of struggles. And, you know, I later discovered that there was an awful lot of guys in there who struggled with the same thing. So that kind of got me started on, on this path toward really uh, a little bit of self-reflection and, and reordering my priorities. So as I got involved in the men's group, I realized that there was so many other guys who talked about work-life balance and, and all these other issues. And you know, at the time I was an early 30 something and I saw the gray hairs in there with so much more wisdom. I'm like, man, I got so much to learn from these people. And, you know, our senior pastor at the time, um, at the church, she openly shared his own struggles with work-life balance. And he was a great help for me at that time. You know, he was about 10 years older and had teenage children. So he shared wisdom with me about getting through those really difficult teen years. But I also began to forge some relationships with other guys in the group and, you know, heard about all of their struggles with alcohol and drug abuse and lust and pornography, marital problems, anger, pride, you know, name them all. They were all there. And, uh, you know, we had new guys join the group and the issues were all the same. It kept coming up and nobody was talking about it. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, you know, as we talk, as we began to talk about it, you know, we just got to the point of saying, you know, why is it that we don't have friends that we can talk to about this kind of stuff anymore? Because we don't trust the acquaintances that we have, you know, where there's the, uh, you know, feeling of competition, daily competition at work and the busyness of life and all those things that just get in the way from men having friendships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You talk about the struggles, you talk about the struggles uh, and life issues, uh, work, work life balance and all that. And for some reason, um, uh, some, some of us, uh, some of us men, we, uh, we don't realize that uh, we're not the only ones going through that. You know, we uh, uh, just about every man I have ever met, uh, if he uh, ever begins to uh, feel comfortable to talk to me, uh, shares the same struggles. Maybe a little different here and there, but basically it's the same thing in every one of us. So, you 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 talked about um, uh, there's 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 a you know, your God buddy friendship. What's the difference between a, just a good friendship and a God buddy friendship. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point that I like to make to people because, you know, we all have those close friendships that we grew up with and we like to, we try to hang on to them and maybe they're people we went to school with or served in the military with or something like that. And we think that those are long lasting friendships, but you know, what I've come to realize is that friendships come and go, you know, they, they, they are there for a season and, very few of them last for, you know, the various stages that we have in life. And um, the one thing that I've come to realize that, you know, at each of these various stages of life, whether it's our childhood or college or military time or young adult, is that, you know, we make friends via commonality, right? So there's usually have something that's that you find in common with somebody. Maybe it's a shared interest in a sports team or a hobby, or maybe your kids are in the same school play. And 
you know, you, you start to spend a little more time with them. And oftentimes it's centered around the family. But the one thing that we have in common doesn't really get to the root of what we're trying to accomplish. And I remember reading an article once that said, you know, the, the potential for a friendship is, is identified through finding two commonalities. They actually used a formula. And they said the first commonality plus the second commonality equals a potential friendship. So having two things in common is more than, you know, the casual acquaintance that you're seeing next to the, on the soccer field to that other dad who's there with his kid. And, uh, you know, you get to know each other a little bit, but you never really get beyond talking about sports and weather and the outcome of the kid's game. But when you have a second area of commonality, like maybe you find you go to the same church or you have the same hobby or you work in the same industry, something begins to click between you and this other guy and you start talking about these common interests. And maybe you even begin to call each other out of the blue. You get together more frequently because you've got a couple things in common. But, you know, these are, these are really still at the acquaintance level. And they're certainly great to start a friendship, but they're not really the deeper friendships that most men need, say. Mm-hmm. So, so I suggest that there's actually a third commonality needed to bring a friendship to what I call a God buddy level. And that third commonality add some relational depth in terms of friendship, even those good friendships into something that's a God buddy level. And it's the common pursuit of living to God's standards. So my version of that earlier uh, formula I mentioned is you have the first commonality plus the second commonality plus this third commonality of living according to God's standard equals a God buddy relationship. So it's that third level that adds the depth and accountability and all the other things that are needed to really get to um, something that's more than the acquaintances that most of us have today. Mm. Well, that's uh, that's pretty interesting because uh, I know a lot of us have what we would consider good friends and uh, that we do hang out and uh, go to ball games with, do various cookouts or hunt or things of that nature, but very few of us have those individuals where you can just really dive deep into your, uh, your life issues and life struggles and, and be able to encourage and shape each other's life with that. Um, how difficult or how, um, how easy is it to create that God buddy friendship? Well, it's it's not easy, uh, but the first thing you need to go into it is realize it just takes some time, you know, because you begin to find that commonality and stuff like that. But there's multiple um, traits that I would suggest are needed for that. And it just it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you sit in your men's group and you say, OK, one, two, three, one, two, three, all the threes go over here and you form your you know God buddy friendship. Um, it just doesn't happen that way. There's something magical that happens. And. You know, the, the guy who was my, um, I'll tell a little, just a little story that, that um, validates this. Uh, the guy who was my original God buddy, his name is Bill Johnson, uh, was part of our men's group. And we um, had been invited along with our spouses to attend a dinner group that was within our church. And we were sitting around that one, that first evening and just getting to know each other and talking among a bunch of friends. And Bill was really struggling with a couple of things within his family and his career at the time. And this was the time when I was still, you know, fighting my own work-life imbalance. And I pulled him aside, you know, at, at, in between dessert and, and the main meal and we'll pull, pulled him aside and said, hey, Bill, you want to get together for a cup of coffee? 
it just felt right. You know, there was just something there. He was a guy I knew peripherally. I admired him. You know, he had gone through some career adjustments and, and things like that. And we just chatted for a brief time in another room there. And then we ended up getting, you know, getting together for coffee. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks later, we're both playing in a golf outing, coincidentally. And, uh, you know, we, we each hit a shot on different fairways. And I'm not going to say which one ended up in the wrong fairway. But, you know, as we both approached our balls, we recognized each other. We didn't realize that we were there. And, you know, as we got within uh, 30 or 40 yards of each other, we just started pretending that we we're like, oh, what are you doing? You know, why are you in my fairway? And just really giving each other the business. And the guys in the other groups were like, holy cow, are we going to have to bust these guys up? Are they going to get into it? You know, because with, you know, we were just needling each other. But what yeah. that did is it showed that instant connection. And I think that, you know, the Holy Spirit was at work in that, you know, and that that's where we had some commonality from the dinner group. We had some commonality. We went to the, to the same church. We both love baseball. He's a Cubs fan. I'm a White Sox fan. So we had a little bit of discussion that goes on around that, but um, there was just something that clicked. And I really think the Holy Spirit comes into these type of relationships and, um, and, and, the, and, you know, you just know when there's that extra level of commonality that, that happens between two guys. Mm. Yeah. It's uh you know, you sit back and you talk about these God bodies, and I think about reflecting on my own life about uh, do I have God bodies in my life, and 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 when did I do? You know, one of those things uh, I couldn't help but think back, reflect back to my college days when I first got out of high school and I went off to college. I connected with this guy um, who I actually went to high school with, but he was a year ahead of me in school. But uh, and we became we became like best buddies, and uh, you see one, you see the other. We did things together. So, and I can reflect back on him as being a, my a god buddy, my first god buddy that I may have had, because we could share things with each other and never be concerned with uh, the other one uh, judging or mm -hmm. condemning or or any of that kind. But but instead, know that whatever I shared with them. They would they would uh, just listen, or they would encourage, or he would he would pray, whatever the case may be, and we shared that with each other. Now, our lives went in different paths, and he ended up pastoring a church in South Carolina, and uh, we finally could reconnected, so to speak, mainly because of social media, but we did. And then now I've got guys in, in that I meet with every week. I got several guys that I meet with every week. And they're kind of like my God buddies now that I can do the same thing at that same relationship. And I think some guys may have those God buddies, but they don't realize they got them. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's really awesome that you had somebody that you had that spiritual connection with early on, because I think most guys don't have that, you know, that we go through life and, you know, we, Bob Buford wrote a great book called Halftime that talks about yeah. moving from success to significance, you know, so when we're in this early stages of adulthood, you know, we're building successes, you know, we graduate or finish our, our military term, uh, we get married, we maybe move to another city, you know, we start advancing our career and we just become so busy and we just don't have those friendships. We don't make the time for them. And that, that's just normal friendships, much less those with any kind of a spiritual connection in them. Yeah, so I think awesome. you know, yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of guys, they, they have friends that they pile around with, like we were talking about earlier. They go to ball games, they go hunting, they go fishing, things of that nature. But their subject matter is on stays on that target right there, whatever they may be doing. And uh, and they don't really uh, get into any deep uh, uh, life issues and, and, and seeking, seeking encouragement, even talking about spiritual stuff, even, even talking about the Bible. And that's one of the things men need in their lives today is those other guys. Uh, even in discipleship, you know, we talk a lot about discipling. Um, a lot of times in, in uh, men discipling others, it, it's uh, still very superficial type discussions. They don't really dive into it. Uh, so this this is unique about uh, talking about the, this particular area. Um, how do you meet, do do you meet men face to face, or do you do it virtually these days, or how do you typically uh, minister to men these days, or do you do both? I mean, I I mean I can say that I do both these days. So what about you? How do how do you start the Yeah, the pandemic certainly has changed some things. Um, we've uh, continued our Saturday morning men's group. Um, via Zoom, like many of them have. And uh, coincidentally, some of the people that have moved on to diff a different church or moved to different parts of the country have continued to stay with us because they've just felt that camaraderie. In fact, last Saturday, we had people in four different time zones join us. Now, we've had a, we have a pretty small group of guys that, are, you know, I belong to a small Presbyterian church. So we typically have 10 to 15 guys who, who sit in on our call on Saturdays. But, you know, to have four former members of that group who um, would take the time, one of them got up at 5.30 in the morning from Portland to, to dial in. Um, and some of them even come back for our annual spring men's retreat. We go up to the Northwoods of Wisconsin for a weekend of, of fishing and golfing and just hanging out together. And some of them come back into town for that. So it just shows the power of that connectivity that we've maintained. And it's has developed over the years through trust. And that's where I think men really need those people closer to them that trust, that they can trust. I mean, when you think about even the Jesus model for the, the 12 disciples, you know, he had an inner circle of three that he kept much closer to him than even the rest of the other nine. So um, I think we, as we think about concentric circles of our friendships, you know, every man needs to have kind of that inner circle that they can really be vulnerable with and and open up their their hearts and their soul to and trust that it, what they tell them about whether it's a struggle with lust or or alcohol or drugs or you know whatever that they can trust them that it's not going to go outside that group and that doesn't always happen i mean i've had some relationships where you tell something to somebody and and you and it gets violated and you just know that that's a person you got to be real careful with and that would be one of those outer circles of closer friends that I have, not the innermost circle that I know I can, I can really be vulnerable with those guys because I know that it won't go outside that group. Yeah, that's, that's so important. I know when I've started a uh, men's uh, groups uh, and we're going to do some deep studies about life issues and so forth. Uh, that's one of the first rules of the group is what stays, what is said here. It's kind of like a, a, a Vegas saying, you know, mm -hmm. what happens? Vegas stays and happens. Well, that's what I tell them. I said, what, what is said here stays here. You know, right. it's not discussed outside of this group anywhere, even amongst ourselves, because we want to keep that, we want to keep that confidence. We want to keep that integrity and level of, of, of that relationship with each other. Yeah. Uh, so, Can I come back to something uh, uh, to that point, Mike? Sure. Um, 
you know, we talked about how it takes some time to develop this level of trust and all that with a relationship. I remember we ran a, um, a study retreat in the fall on a book called um, Every Man's Battle, which many of you may may know of. Um, you know, it's about every man's battle with sexual temptation and so on. And, you know, we ran a, a getaway retreat and there was, I don't know, 10 of us who went away for that. And there was a guy who was, you know, not normal part of the group, but, you know, he shows up and man, he just opened up the floodgates and started talking about all of it. And it made a lot of people uncomfortable because we hadn't developed relationship with him yeah. yet. Right. So he put some people off at first where they're like, you know, it kind of held people back for a while until we really got into the weekend some more. Cause it was like Friday night and all of a sudden, you know, there, the floodgates were open. And, and, and that's, I think it just demonstrates how you need to develop a relationship and a level of trust that takes time. You can't just, you know, do that in the first couple of times you meet somebody. It just, you got to give it the time to, to develop. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I mean, uh, uh, even with the group, I, I have a group now that I've been meeting with for two years, over two years, and uh, uh, it took time for those guys to to really get to a point where they felt comfortable in sharing uh, with the other groups and uh, and knowing that it's uh, it's 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 definitely something that you have to build upon. Um, let's talk about COVID nineteen and how the pandemic has shaped our world in ministry now and in, in ministry men. Um, what are you seeing in men's lives right now as far as their difficulties and and uh, and why they have to, why they really need to have a God buddy in their life right now because so many guys are out of work, they're 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 home alone, let's say, you know, kind of like the movie you know, guys when we're when we're alone we get, we get ourselves in trouble sometimes it seems like. And uh, what do you see you seeing an increase in men seeking a God buddy out? Or to use that phrase, is that what we're talking about? Are you seeing an increase of guys seeking a God buddy in their lives to encourage and mentor them? Yeah, well, I, you know, we've all seen the reports from the CDC and other places that that report that there's been an increase in anxiety and depression across all age groups during this pandemic. You know, it, it's an issue for a lot of people. Um, I still think that there's people who think they can handle guys who think that they can handle this on their own and they just are struggling. You know, I have one, one friend in particular within my own circle of friends that was struggling big time with anxiety and, and was having suicidal thoughts um, during the summer about returning to work during the pandemic. And he had fears that he might infect others. And, and it was becoming a really big issue for him, but he reached out to me and another guy and you know, we talked about, about it and it gave, you know, just like we would go for a walk uh, masked up and that in the local forest reserve and, and he'd walk on one side of the path, I'd walk on the other and, and uh, you know, we just chatted about it. And I think just that time together made him feel more comfortable with it. And, you know, he's ultimately figured out what was causing that. It was some medication problems and things like that. but. It, it's, I think it's, this demonstrates how until you've developed a level of trust with somebody that you can really start to open up, you know, most guys think they still handle it on their own. And, and, you know, I mean, that's why the Bible tells us man's not made to be alone. You know, we're, we're connected human beings and we need to have somebody that we can, we can trust. And, and, uh, 
and, and, and be accountable to, because, you know, if we're left to our own devices, you know, we're going to spiral down uh, pretty, pretty bad. And I think particularly this past year, um, I've seen my God, my God buddies come together to support each other with extra phone calls and continuing to meet, you know, on Saturday mornings and staying afterwards to just check in with each other and even making the extra effort to serve each other, you know, to get together and say, Hey, how can I help you? You know, I mean, that's a really interesting question when you ask somebody, how are you doing? And he says, Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? You know? And, uh, and then you, and then you peel it back and you go, no, really, how are you doing? You just said, Oh, I'm okay. Or I'm fine. Are you really fine? You know, and it, and it opens up a little more vulnerability, uh, an opportunity to be more vulnerable when when you ask that n- next level of question. And, and if somebody's got the relationship with you that you know they're comfortable sharing that with, that it begins to start those deeper conversations. Yeah, it's a it's typical. I mean, that is that is a common answer men will give. You know, how's your day going? It's great. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. And he could be dealing with some of the toughest things that he's ever gone through in his life, and he just doesn't know how to ask how to uh, uh, for for help in that yeah. area. So, yeah, we actually did a thing in our men's group. Uh, occasionally, I'll I'll run a thing called a guy talk. And I titled this one called How You Doing? And, you know, if you remember the uh, the, the clip of, I think it's Joey from the, the show Friends, you know, he has one of his favorite sayings. And I showed that clip at the beginning. And then we started to talk about this a little bit more and just saying, you know, when you pass, it's kind of become a, a cliche greeting. How you doing? Okay, how you doing? You know, but when you do ask that next level question, when somebody just says, oh, I'm fine or I'm okay. Really? Are you just okay? You know, is there something else going on? It really just helps the conversation um, go to another level. And that's what guys need is the opportunity to trust somebody that, with those conversations. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Well, I know your webpage is out there, godbuddies.com. And uh, uh, I've gone out there, of course, and looked at it several times myself. And said, but it's primarily uh, what I saw, and, and you can speak to this a little bit, of course, is uh, blogs, uh, writings, mm-hmm. things of your uh, what God's giving you and in thoughts and opinions uh, uh, and processes. Uh, can you speak a little bit about uh, what men could look, see on your blog and what they can look forward in, in sure. the coming days? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to promote it a little bit. Um, you know, if you go to the blog, it's god-buddies.com, um, you'll have an opportunity to subscribe and it'll get you a email pushed to you each each uh, Tuesday after I've posted something. But what what it really started as was an opportunity for me to refine my thoughts around this. You know, in our men's group, we many, many years ago, we just started talking about these friendships. And, you know, I had the guys in our group just saying, man, you need to talk about, you need to write a book about this. And, uh, you know, it's become really a foundation for what we do in our, at our church. Um, but everybody kept talking about it. And I work in the printing and the publishing industry, or I did, I retired earlier this year. And one of the, shifts that I've seen in publishing is that a lot of authors have started with started writing blogs and then that which has led to a book or maybe more speaking opportunities. So I'm like, you know, everybody keeps telling me this. Why not? I'll I'll give it a go. So I started writing in uh, January of 2019 and spent that first year really kind of learning the technology, creating my my website and uh, re- really refining my thoughts. And I had written, you know, a weekly email to um, 
the guys at our church with, you know, random guy thoughts and what we were going to be studying this week and stuff like that. So that, you know, they knew about it, but um, it really helped me understand how to put things to refine my thoughts, I guess is the best way to put it and put it into, into posts. So I started writing over, you know, the whole, the whole year, every week about this. And then last year, you know, obviously it became a little bit different because of COVID. Um, but I wrote about, you know, how we help each other. And then as I reflect back each year at the end of the year, I write a kind of a reflection piece and um, kind of summarizes the whole year. And, and as I reflected on this year, it was really about how our God buddies supported each other during really tough times. And, you know, COVID aside, we all run into tough times, you know, whether it's a job loss or, you know, a health issue or loss of a parent, you know, they're, they're just name them. There's, there's all of them out there. And, and there's always somebody in your circle that has gone through a situation. And if you have a relationship with them, you can come back to it. So, you know, it just helped me kind of refine my thoughts a little bit. And then as I've had other people continue to press on me to talk about turning this into a book, I spent the last several months putting it into a manuscript that'll hopefully self-publish this year or um, turn into an actual hard copy book. Um, so it's, it's been a fun, fun way for me to, um, you know, just hone in on this concept of God buddies and what it really means. So, well, I know I've heard you talk about uh, in the conversations we've had um, about the traits of a God buddy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you've got something like 11 different traits or something like that. We probably don't have time to go through all 11 of those right now. Uh, but uh, uh, what are some of the key uh, God buddy traits uh, that men can look for in each other uh, that uh, we can tap into. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, you know, we talked about the one already, which is commonality, and that's finding commonality with another another man. Um, the next one we've touched on a little bit is developing trust, and um, you know, that's the second one. Once you've developed some trust, you can get to the third trait, which is confidentiality. And that's usually when that first person says, Hey, can I, you know, can we get together for coffee? I, and I got to share something with you. And, you know, you start talking about a big decision you make or a struggle and, and stuff like that. And that really leads to the next one, which is about our vulnerability and authenticity and just being transparent. So that fourth one, vulnerability, authenticity, and transparency only occurs once a man becomes, um, open and honest with somebody about their own struggles. And I've seen it personally in, in, a, in some small groups is once somebody does that, the others usually follow uh, behind, but you need somebody who's going to take that first step. Break that barrier, um, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. They're going to open up that door and say, look, at this is something I'm struggling with. And, you know, there's a great quote by C.S. Lewis that says, you know, friendship begins when somebody realizes, wow, you too, you know, and dot, 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 fill in the blank about whatever. Um, and that's usually what happens, you know, for me and my, my original God buddy, Bill, you know, he was in some account, um, uh, you know, career transition and was having some difficulties within his family. And we, you know, we, we just had that commonality. So one, but once I heard him talk about it, it's like, wow, there's a guy that I admired that struggles with the same thing. And, you know, we all try and put on this false front and pretend like we've got it all together, but you know, nobody does. We all have issues and we all have stuff. And once somebody becomes a little more transparent, 
you know, that usually opens things up. So that's the fourth one. Um, the fifth trait is really um, once you've started to get together more frequently, you need to practice good listening and show empathy to that person. You know, we're not here to judge anybody. Um, we just have to be a good listener. We have to wait for the period, as I call it, you know, that denotes when somebody's finished with their, their, um, their, their point, because, you know, in all honesty, we don't want somebody to tell us how to fix something. You know, it's a guy thing. We tend to try and fix each other. We just need somebody to listen to us. So you just got to listen. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. So that, that point, practicing good listening and showing empathy is really critical to just know, demonstrating that you care for that person. Um, and then that leads to acceptance and non-judgmental forgiveness and unconditional love. You know, those are just the key to all what we should be doing as a Christian anyway, much less within your male relationships. You know, it's not up to us to judge what somebody's got an issue about, you know, whether it's sexual or addictive behaviors or whatever. We all have issues, you know, so it's not up to me to judge. That's ultimately God's role, but I'm supposed to show unconditional love and, and, um, you know, that's what I'm called to practice. But then there's times when, you know, you need confrontation, confession, and accountability, um, which is the next one. And that that one is where the real sharpening happens. You know, I once had a guy um, pull me aside. was wasn't even part of our men's group. He pulls me aside and says, hey, Rich, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? He says, you know, I've got this friend who's teetering on an affair. I'm like, really? You got a friend? He says, no, really. It's not me. It's my friend. And it was a college buddy who was teetering on the edge of a thing. He says, I just don't know what to say to him. And I said, well, you know, don't accept that behavior of, you know, if he, if you want him to become a better man, you need to confront him about it, but, you know, be gentle about it and, and tell him that you're there for him. So, you know, you're going to add a little bit of gentle confrontation, but you also need to hold him accountable and say, you know, really you're, you're married, you know, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't something you shouldn't be doing. So, so that's, Confrontation, confession, and accountability is one of the other traits. And then there's loyalty and dependability. You know, somebody has to learn how to trust you. Um, we need to show patience and kindness. You know, those just come with being a good friend. But then when we start really getting into being a God buddy is when we're there to pray, support, and encourage somebody. You know, I love the the model of Timothy Ball and Paul and Barnabas. You know, Barnabas, the, the great encourager was there to be a cheerleader for Paul when he was beginning his ministry and, and all that. And we all need encouragement. You know, we get beat up every day. So when you start having that third common element that I mentioned earlier about, you know, the, um, um, pursuit of God, uh, godly living, you know, that comes with prayer and support and encouragement. And that's the essence of your ongoing relationship. But then that third commonality that I mentioned, you know, is the desire to study and learn uh, to become a better man. You know, I mean, that's what we're all called to do. You know, they say, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think part of being a disciple of Christ is that continual refinement and growing to be more Christ-like. And we all need help doing that. So, you know, having a guy or a group of guys that you can do it with um, is a key to that growth. And, and you know, doing life together trying to become more Christ-like is, is a, can be a lot of fun when you're doing it with other people instead of just trying to do it on your own. Oh, absolutely. And I agree. And as I was writing these uh, traits down as you went going through them, and, and I couldn't help but thank a couple of them here. There's probably some of the 
some of the uh, probably hardest ones for men to do, and that's the the fact of being vulnerable, uh, for us to be vulnerable and to be authentic and transparent in our own lives. Because like we talked about earlier, uh, so many uh, so many men who are going through struggles or certain issues, whether it be, well, it could be any number of things. They think they're the only ones that are going through that, and they're afraid to mention it because guys will look down on them if they even mention the uh, a, a, a concern in that area. And the other thing is something my wife gets on me about a lot of time is you're not listening, guy. You're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes those guys, we have a hard time listening and, and just just being quiet, just, just letting the guy, somebody else talk to us and let, allowing them to have our uh, full undivided attention. But these are great things. These are good, good, good traits for us all to, to listen to and uh, look into and look for men. I think, uh, I think it's interesting, and, and I wish more men would understand the importance of having, uh, having a man in their life. Yeah, I, 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 I still haven't, you know, there's, there's really, I love the uh, quote from, um, there was an 18th century English uh, social commentator and philosopher by the name of William Hazlitt that said, and he said, there are no rules for friendship. It must be left to itself. We can't force it any more than we can force love, you know, so there's really no, no set of rules where you can just hand the guy a book, you know, here I am talking about, you know, a book that I'm going to write about this, but, you know, it, it's not something that, you know, you can follow this prescribed set of rules and here's how I'm going to go about doing this. I think you've got to pray about it a lot. Um, you've got to reach out to somebody and take the risk. That's probably one of the biggest things for most guys is we're afraid to take the risk. And it's not just the risk of being vulnerable to somebody, but it's even taking that first step, you know, that first step to reach out to somebody and say, Hey, Joe, you know, I, I really admire, you know, your career and how you've uh, done this or, you know, the way you're fathering your children, you know, can we get together? I've got some questions for you, you know, and the, and the typical response when, when you reach out to somebody is, hey, you want to get together for a cup of coffee? They, they always go, oh, okay, well, what's up, you know, and is he going to try and sell me, you know, something, some insurance or, or whatever, you know, we all go into it hesitant because of, I think, just the way the culture conditions us to have our relationships. But once we, um, once we start the path down to a friendship of, uh, you know, following some of these traits, and again, there's no prescribed set of rules or path for it because everyone's different. I think you both grow tremendously. I mean, I, I look back on my last 20 years and there's no way I'd have thought I'd been the, the godly man I am, and I still. I want to preface this by saying I still don't have it figured out. I got a long way to go, but you know, it's, it's pretty amazing how um, other men help you grow when you're willing to work on it together. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I know. Uh, even though I speak of the uh, God buddy that I had back in college, and uh, and I've had some other people in my life uh, over the years that has uh, spoken into my life. Uh, never did I really fully understand the importance of the iron sharpening science, those one man sharpening another, the scripture where you need to have another man that walks alongside you, who can pick you up and you fall down, uh, and how much trouble you can be in in your own life when you do fall down. You don't have some iron I didn't even fully understand that in my whole life to about 15 years ago. And 
prices in my own. It's a there was a health crisis. Very, very personal process. So it, uh, it helped me to fully understand. God used that time to, to get me attuned to understanding the need you had uh, in your life. And I pray that uh, men who are listening to this uh, now or listen to this in the next few days um, will not allow themselves to get into a point where they go through a crisis before they get another man in their life who can speak, in, speak uh, truth into their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned earlier the book by Bob Buford, Halftime, and one of the premises of the book is that um, a man who transitions well, you know, makes the halftime adjustments, will have a much better second half of his life. Just like a football coach, you only know, make halftime adjustments and so on. And I think some of those adjustments are realizing that you know you don't have it all figured out, you don't have all the answers, um, and that you need some help from your quote unquote assistant coaches or in um, personal board of directors or whatever that can help you realize your flaws and, and uh, um, you know, where areas that you need to improve, maybe your weaknesses, you know, um, it's, it's very critical that you give somebody permission to speak into your life that way. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't just happen. You don't just tap somebody on the shoulder one day at church, unless you have a relationship with them. Um, and, it, it just comes with time, but it, it takes, you, you got to take a risk and do that and identify those couple people maybe that you want to get started with and, and initiate it, you know, get started, reach out to somebody. That's the biggest risk, I think, is just getting started. We all are afraid of, well, what if he says no? Well, that's okay. If he says no, maybe the Holy Spirit didn't want you to have him as part one of your God buddies anyway, and there's other guys out there. So go back and pray some more about it. And, and the right person will reveal themselves to you. It'll be a situation where that person is put in front of you at the right time for the right situation. Yeah. You know, you, you, you use an interesting phrase I was here just a minute ago, your personal board of directors. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, first time I ever heard that was when I read uh, a book by uh, uh, Major General uh, Bob Dees. Uh, in his book, uh, Resilient Warrior. He wrote that book probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. And uh, and he uses that phrase in helping men to understand the importance of having a personal board of directors in your life so you can bounce back through whatever adversity you're going through. And uh, uh, you're the only other person I've ever heard say that say that outside of a, a conversation I might start. <laughs> so. Well, it's kind of a secular um, analogy too, you know, everybody thinks they need to have that person who's going to hold them accountable to going to the gym all the time. And maybe you have your financial advisor, you know, or bank bank person. Um, and maybe you've got a father-in-law you lean on, you know, for raising kids or something like that. Um, but part of that personal board of directors, I think needs to be somebody who can help advance your faith. I mean, that's our, our greatest greatest commandment is to is, you know, love God and and with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, you know, we need somebody that's going to help us along the way. You know, like many of us, we're either afraid to admit that we don't know anything or have it figured out and don't know, understand the Bible, but we need somebody that can come alongside us and help us. And we've got to be okay with that. Amen. Yeah. 
Well, Rich, it's uh, believe it or not, we're coming up on the top of the hour. We've been, we've been sitting here talking for about fifty-five minutes now, and and uh, time flies when you're having fun, so to speak. And I enjoyed this conversation, and so it's a, it was a, it was great to, for you to be on the uh, call today, and and you have provided some great information. I think all of us. Uh, need to uh need to digest and i and i thank you for your time so it was uh it was good to have you if you would uh, like to know more about rich's uh ministry go to godbuddies.com and uh and ch check him out look at all the stuff he he has here i'm sorry that if you asked a question we did not get to it today but uh, you can reach out to me at capefearmen.gmail.com or you can reach uh reach rich at his website for um, more questions if you want to. In case you missed something or would like to uh, review something that uh, was said uh, during this conversation, it will be available on the Cape Fear Men website within the next day. Uh, just go to capefearmen.net slash podcast and uh, to view, and you can you can see that this plus all of the podcasts that's been done in the past. I hope you've enjoyed the, the program today, and if you uh, would like to continue to help us in our work and ministering to men, please consider donating to Cape Fear Men by either going to capefearmen.net on the donate button at the top of the page or text CAPE, C-A-P-E, to 50155. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization. All donations are tax deductible. Now, thank you in advance for your donations to help us out. If you have other questions, just drop us an email, like I said, at capefearmen at gmail.com. Rich, again, uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, you got any uh, parting words uh, for us today? Well, yeah, thank you for reaching out. It's been good getting to know you over the last year or so since we first met. And uh, I guess my parting words to everybody would be, don't try and live life by yourself. You know, God God said man should not be alone. And, you know, we, we know we can't do it all by ourselves. So, Take that risk, reach out to somebody that you admire, that you know that you can trust with whatever, because we all have stuff, you know, we, we all have something in our life that we tend to hide and develop that relationship with at least one guy, reach out to him tomorrow and um, start that relationship and just trust the Holy Spirit to work in both of you, because I think in the end, you'll both become better men as a result. Amen. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, appreciate thank you. that words. And again, Intentional Conversations is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Now, as a beloved mentor used to say to me, uh, a blessing over me after we would finish our time together, he would say, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shake you by. Until yeah. the next time on Intentional Conversations, God bless. Mm -hmm.